0: Welcome everybody, let's talk about meaningful shit once again. Today, Emotion Regulation Part 2, episode that I am excited about, put a lot of prep work in and took, you know, more time than I anticipated. This is actually the third time that I'm recording this. Cool. So, uh, it's a follow-up from last episode where we talked about sort of like the base skills of emotion regulation, um, the first eight skills uh, as you as you will, so it's more the skills that we talked about last last time, and that were more focused on what do I do in the moment to regulate my uh, emotions? How do I handle, you know, when something comes up, how do I get skillful in processing that? And that is very, very essential. But I do uh, approach those skills a little bit like like a fire extinguisher, right. It's, uh, especially if you work around uh, you know a situation where there, there could be a fire it's important to know how to handle a fire extinguisher but if you're being confronted with a fire every day unless you're I guess a fire safety instructor or something like that and you set things on fire for training you're probably in a situation that you want to focus more on preventing the fires than getting very very good at fire uh, fire extinguishers on using them at the same time it's very important still because you got to get ahead of the fallout that your fires create first right so this analogy might be getting confusing but, but let me explain if emotion regulation skills f- focus on you being able to handle emotions in the in the moment like challenging emotions then the fire is the challenging emotion, right? Skills, fire extinguisher, challenging emotions are the fire. But how do we prevent challenging emotions from presenting itself in the moment so that we have to bust out our fire extinguisher? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Like I mentioned before, uh, what I'm I'm talking about this from my own personal experience, uh, about these things that have helped me in life a lot, and I've based them largely on dialectical behavioral therapy. So again, I am going to quote a lot of things from uh, the DBT workbook, which I will link in the show notes and uh, and whatnot, but I'm going to try to focus a lot on my personal experience, because. You could go ahead and read that book or go to a dbt group or whatever and you would get more or less the same information and although i still want to talk about the skills i do also particularly want to talk about what that means for for me how i was able to improve my life with uh, with these skills so how we want to prevent these emotional fires from coming up dbt is described as reducing vulnerability, right? So the vulnerability to the emotion being like something that creates a fire that is out of control, right? If you're cooking on your gas stove, you still want a fire, you just don't want it to be out of control. Again, (laughs) maybe not the most helpful analogy, maybe it is, but the emotions, the fires are not the bad thing. You just don't want to get them uh, to, to get out of hand. So there's two parts of that. There's the parts of what we talked about last time and the parts what we're talk, going to talk about now. And um, what we're going to talk about now is reducing the vulnerability to emotion uh, mind. So, but not by doing anything in the moment, but actually by building a life worth living. And now we're connecting to the to the bigger picture. And initially, that might feel like a little like counterintuitive or like what why 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 that? What does that have to do with emotion regulation? But we'll, we'll come to that. So the way to remember these skills um, are uh, with the letters A B C and the word please. I'm going to take them slightly out of order because I think they build on each other and. Um, uh, uh, Interestingly enough, I don't find it most helpful to start at the A. I find it actually most helpful to start all the way at the end. The word please, as often these acronyms in um, DBT are, it's a little awkward. So please, the P and the L stand for physical illness. The E stands for eating, the A stands for mood altering substances, the S stands for sleep, and the E stands for exercise. I personally wanna add an N to it for nature. We'll get to that. So that's an interesting enumeration, but what's the focus here? The focus is taking care of the mind by taking care of your body. How often have you been hangry and have you been unable to regulate your emotions right that happens a lot to a lot of us and from a certain perspective that's just kind of like how life is right we can get a pass once in a while if we haven't eaten Um, or if we haven't gotten sleep or we haven't gotten exercise so it's not the end of the world if that happens but the same time what we're trying to uh, to do by being mindful of these vulnerability factors is to put us in a situation that we are able to regulate ourselves emotionally as much as possible so these are just helpful generally in life I mean if you would be a professional athlete we would be talking about the same skills obviously you need you need to take care of yourself if you were a professional actor if you were professional anything because what you're really trying to do is you're trying to prioritize self-care trying to put on your own oxygen mask first before taking care of others because all these things think about them physical illness eating mood altering substances sleep exercise they have to do with your 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 body right your kids don't come into it your partner don't come, uh, don't come into it really so um, it might be a little bit of a basic skill, but it can be very, very important in combination, of some of, uh, combination with some of the other skills that I'm going to talk about today. So phys- physical illness obviously is focused on the moment that there is something physically not completely right with you. Prioritize that. There's lots of people that I know that get a weird type of pride that's accompanying with working through physical illness or something like that. And it's just not not worth it. And if you're doing that for work or something uh, like that, chances are that it's going to influence things in other situations that you might find more important. It's going to influence them more. You know, some people can get severely emotionally de- disre- uh, dysregulated at work as, uh, as well. Um, so that's it is all part of the uh, the equation. But it's just important to realize the moment that you are under the weather, you, you, you treat it, you treat your body well to allow it to recover. Balanced eating comes, comes into the same um, principle of taking care of your body. And some people like nutrition, some people hate preparing nutrition and thinking about it, and they find it a nuisance to have to think about in the first place and i'm i understand those those perspectives what it comes down to is when you balance your your eating well it's or eat at all that's where the hangry comes in it does affect the way that you know the processing power in a way that your that your body requires like if you're dragging yourself um, through the day because you haven't gotten your proper nutrition And that has something to do with the proper nutrition but also just following your routine so you haven't done what your body expects you to do. That is not going to be great if you encounter a situation that is emotional in nature. So if you encounter that flame, it's going to get out of control. The same goes, it kind of goes without saying, uh, the mood-altering substances. That's even more basic than the others. Um, Everybody kind of knows if they they're getting <laughs> drunk, and then an emotionally hard situation comes up. It's going to be a shit show. But that doesn't prevent people from using mood-altering substances. and I'm not even talking about like hard drugs or something like that. It can be something as simple as drinking 10 cups of coffee if you know that there's going to be a challenging meeting coming up, and then you're jittery as fuck, and like nothing, nothing good is going to come out of that. So they all tie into getting your body in a state that it that you know is well regulated. The same goes with sleep. Honestly, that's the most important one. I have a bunch of rules about my sleep hygiene and getting the amount of sleep that I that I need. Because what I find interesting about when I get less sleep. I feel that my situational awareness just de- decreases. So I kind of feel like I'm still operating normally, but actually deep down underneath that is not the case. And then when I do get a night of good sleep and I look back on a day like that, I'm like, Oh my God, what was I thinking? Well, I wasn't because I was exhausted, sleep deprived. Still at the same time, these things are part of life, right? So there are situations where you are not going to be able to balance your sleep maybe you're doing intercontinental flight maybe i don't know you have a baby that is crying a lot so it's the skill is not about if you miss one of these marks that is like um, a carte blanche to then fly off the handle it's it's as much preparing to um, handle emotionally vulnerable moments, as well as like avoiding them at certain times. Like if you know your sleep's been shit, there is something to be said. And again, there's a skill coming up to not engage with certain type of emotional situations. My rules around sleep are really focused on multiple nights in a row. So what I'm trying to say here is I am decently able to handle one night of a couple of hours of sleep. Like I have one of those sleep trackers as most people have through their watches. And it shows that as I fall asleep, I get my deep sleep, my REM sleep, the initial blocks pretty quickly. So if I get four hours in, I'm I'm actually pretty alright. So I can do that for one night. Maybe two. There's sometimes situations that just call for that. Maybe I have like a race in the morning and like I can't sleep because of that. And maybe afterwards I'm traveling, something like that. But I keep track of that and I kind of have a rule. If it's the third night that I haven't slept well, so I wake up and that's the situation, I empty my calendar, right? So I don't do fun things. I don't meet friends. I don't work. Any of these things, I I sleep. So I treat uh, lack of sleep for a couple of nights as physical illness in a way. And you can argue that it is because the moment that that happens to you, you're... you're Uh, Immunity is going to be down. Your resistance is going to be down. So it's actually really wise over the long term to do that. We get to exercise. Exercise is very important for my mental health. And over the years, um, that has revealed itself to me. And I'll give the caveat as well that you can rely too heavily on exercise as well, which has happened to me in the past as well. So about exercise, like there's one book that I read, which is called The Real Happy Pill by, I believe it's Hans Anders. a Swedish. It's not a doctor, but medical professional or something like that. Although it's not the most stellar read and it's really written from one perspective and that that exercise is good, he does do a good job in collecting various types of evidence uh, around that. Uh, And I'll pull like a quote from an NIH study that I'll include in the show notes. It's been shown to reduce depression, anxiety, and negative moods, which is what we're going for, as well as alleviate low self-esteem and social withdrawal. In place of these negative emotions, exercise boosts self-esteem and cognitive function. the real happy pill talks talks about as well is how good it is for memory and something that i like to drag in as well and i honestly don't really know that much from it from like a you know professional perspective but um it's something that i read somewhere someone told me but something about gene expression right and you can imagine this very well that like we We have dna in our bodies that expresses themselves depending on what environment we are we are in how i think about exposing yourself to exercise like sort of on a daily basis exposes you to stress in a certain way because especially if you've been um not not been exercising and you start you kind of notice how your body responds to that it responds To it as something unpleasant it is stress it's hard it creates it actually uh, increases your stress hormones as you start exercising so in a way it's it's obvious that a lot of people want to avoid it right it's it it makes sense but there is something about exposing yourself to a controlled amount of stress and One of the things that this book, The Real Happy Pill, talks about is if your cortisol levels, the stress hormone at a certain level, and then you start exercising, they go up. But after you stop exercising, they get to a lower baseline. So yes, you increase your stress, but in the end, you end up with less stress. So I find that a really important technique because there's just so much benefits. To exercise, so it's definitely mental and memory, but then there's all the physical benefits that you uh, that you get if you do exercise in the right way and you challenge yourself, um, then you experience you get growth in different types in your in your body as uh, as well. It's probably good for your sense of accomplishments and your self uh, esteem and uh, and things like that. It grounds you more in your body. Um, I tend to be someone who is more prone to living in my head and ignore what's going on in my body. And having, like, focusing on doing a lot of exercise, like, takes me, takes me out of that, you know, head space and <laughs> puts me more in my, my body and ends up getting me, getting me more grounded and all the feel good endorphins that uh, that happen afterwards so i i'm very enthusiastic about it i think it's very essential to me there's a twist to all of these skills really the moment that you know about them you buy into them they can get to like sort of and partially it's the point of knowing the skill but that can get a little bit into an excuse you know I haven't had my exercise, so I'm going to be a dick to you. I haven't eaten, so I'm just going to be, I'm going to snap at you. And again, this is, it's not meant to be used in that way, right? It does allow you to make the decision that you don't want to engage with a specific situation at, at a specific moment. That is absolutely true. But it's not, you know, you do not suddenly have permission to not emotionally regulate yourself because you're missing one of these checkboxes, right? Last point that I wanted to talk about is uh, nature. So in the DBT skill, nature isn't really mentioned, but I think it belongs in self-care. I have another book that the name escapes me. Um, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes that was written by a researcher that participated in a group that really dove into the reason that nature is calming to us. Uh, and they tried to reproduce it in various different ways as well, tried to see why it's calming in the way that, that it was. And some of you guys might remember that during the industrial revolution, the amount of green spaces in cities, uh, there were not a lot of green spaces and at those times in life you saw that uh, mental health of city dwellers like plummeted so it is actually something very important and if i remember correctly it doesn't have to be a ton i believe you get like significant benefits with like 20 minutes of nature per week and then you know some more if you do it every every day but it doesn't have to be a huge time investment another thing that i remember from that book is that they talk about fractals So fractal is a geometric shape uh, that has a fractional dimension and many famous fractals are self-similar which means they consist of smaller copies of themselves and a tree is like that, right? Um, How a trunk relates to a branch is how a branch relates to a smaller branch. There's a certain ratio there and our brains evolved in an environment where there were a lot of fractals. So in a way, we are really good at processing them so good that it can be relaxing compared to staring at geometrical shapes right that you find in an urban environment the same goes for the sounds that you get exposed to we were you know evolve we were all evolving like bird sounds around and like wind and water and stuff like that so exposing yourself to those noises and surroundings and visual stimulation uh, is very important to get to a to a regulated state so ever since i've become aware of that i try to take regular walks especially a stressful days and look at trees look at plants and i sort of lean into the fact that i i believe that that relaxes my brain and there's course like um, psychosomatic uh, or that's not what i mean i mean a placebo effect to that so kind of because i believe it i go stare at a tree and be- because i'm doing that I'm-, I'm going to start to feel better so in a way you got to find your own things that work for you um i i think that there is something beyond the placebo effect um being around trees and plants and stuff like that but you know your mileage may may vary. But these are the things that have been essential for me. So if I focus on my self care, that I feel good about the nutrition that I'm putting in into my body. In my case, avoiding caffeine and well alcohol for sure. Um, what other mood altering substances? Sugar is an example of of that. I can definitely get in a sugar high state sleep, if I get my exercise dialed in, and then if I'm able to expose myself to nature, I'm just, you know, I can resist a lot more in life. It's much more, like, of course, we have a focus now on emotion regulation, but taking care of your body, self-care, has a ton of other, other benefits, right? So that's the first skill. And again, that was please. Physical illness, balance eating, avoid mood-altering substances, balance sleep, get exercise, and the special Vincent bonus of nature. So, as you plan your days out, if you plan your days out, and it's something that I recommend doing like on a Sunday as you overlook how your week is going to look, try to remember that. Try to like write this please skill. Write it down somewhere put it on your calendar for Sunday so that you're like, okay, let's, let's make sure that I build in time in my day so that I can take care of these, these things, especially if you're struggling with emotionally regulating in some situations, which you may be because you're watching this episode. Maybe a loved one does. So now let's switch to the ABC and I'm going to, Keep doing things in reverse order because I'm going to start with the C which stands for cope ahead and coping ahead with emotional situations. So what's coping ahead? And actually, as I was preparing this episode, my understanding of coping ahead actually subtly changed. So I'll tell you first my experience of coping ahead, how you can get quick mileage out of a skill like that and then more what the dbt approach is which is a little bit more um, exhaustive in a way so when i think of cope ahead it is really similar to what i just mentioned at the end of the, the last skill to look ahead to actually be aware of what's coming up in your day in your week and making sure that you've addressed the please skill. Honestly, so that you know, I'm going to have a busy, busy week. This was actually an example for, for me. Like I have a coworker who is out of town. Or he's, a, he's on PTO. And I have to take care of a lot of stuff. And this is busy season. I work in technical sales in the software industry. So, you know, June is pretty much, you know, it's pretty... Pretty peak season for uh, for me. So coping ahead partially is just being aware of the future, just being aware of, oh, damn, this is going to be a tough week. And just giving yourself permission to plan breaks. So I try to go into my calendar, put breaks on my, on my calendar that I, I'm not going to do anything else, right? So that's like sort of a low-level coping ahead. It's just looking what's coming up, making sure that your please skills address that you you're getting enough time to sleep exercise etc etc very important but just doing that is in a way it is coping ahead but it's not particularly focused on handling one situation that's going to be very challenging in the moment so if you look at the cope ahead skills they describe it in uh, dbt it's really focused on doing going through the emotional labor of addressing an emotional situation beforehand. And this is actually a sort of a cool trick, because you might have read that, seen that, other sources. The brain isn't that good in distinguishing between a situation that's actually happening and a situation that you're thinking about, right? If you are going to have I don't know, a tough presentation at work or a demonstration or something like that. If you're thinking about that, how that will go, you're going to experience the emotions as if it's actually happening. But that's actually something that you can take advantage of because you're going to experience the emotions you're going to experience, right? Like it's it's in a way you're doing a dry run of how that situation is. And this is where the skills comes uh, comes in. So first, you want to elicit that state of really like being in that situation, right? Being in that problematic situation. I'm going to give examples later. And then you want to um, describe it very well. So you want to check the facts, or like try to be factual about what's going on, you know, in the environment, who you're talking to, or whatever what audience you're standing in front of. You wanna name the emotions and actions that are likely to interfere with using using your skills to to self-regulate. Right. That helps you to like sort of get in the get in the moment. It uh, reminds me of um, of acting as well, where the more you describe about a situation the more it becomes real for you. All right. Another, like the second step is to decide on what coping or problem-solving skills you wanna use in the situation. Again, you wanna be specific. Now that you're feeling that situation, you're feeling like your emotional urges where you're feeling pulled towards, um, you wanna write in, in detail how you wanna cope in that situation and with your emotion and action urges. So, Anything that sort of like allows you to commit it to memory and writing is very effective to that. Acting out can be very effective as well. I like to process through situations by actually with help of uh, of, of recording, actually going through the tough emotional situation, recording myself and, and looking that back. It's not something that I do very, very often, but I have done it. And it's very effective. I often feel too willful to do it because it's such a pain in the ass to set all of that stuff up, but it can be very effective. Third step is imagine the situation in your mind as vividly as possible. Imagine yourself in the situation now, not watching the situation. This is where you comes down to tricking your brain into thinking that it's actually happening. And then you wanna rehearse these coping skills, right? So the beginning of the skill is a, this skill is a little bit more, you know, focused on the analytical part, describing the situation, deciding what the skills are that, that you would want to want to use. then more like inhabiting it, right? like an actor in a way, <laughs> setting, setting up your scene, and then going through exactly what you can do to cope effectively. So you wanna rehearse your actions, your thoughts, what you say, how you say it. It is like being an actor. Um, rehearse as well, seeing yourself coping effectively with new problems that come up. So this is also has the side benefit of talking yourself up. Like oftentimes in challenging situations, our mind goes to a place of, oh, I can't do that. And if, if they say this, I'm just gonna lose it. And no, you can be like, if they say that or do that, I'm going to have a strategy for that. I know that that's a risk and I'm going to have a strategy, right? And rehearse as well, coping with your most feared catastrophe, right? So often these situations have some kind of risk, some kind of threat of something happening that you don't like, right? It can be very advantageous to really lean into that and give yourself some time to really like create a great doom scenario the the worst of the worst right and I often think of that in in context of asking for a raise which is something that people find hard and then actually be of being fired on the spot that's probably probably the worst catastrophe <clears throat> say from an asteroid hitting your your building or something like that last step in this skill is to Practice relaxation after rehearsing. So that's because you want to like sort of reset emotionally because you've just been in a scene as, <laughs> as you will, um, if you will. And it can be important to have to reset emotionally from that to it's the same way actually as you would do as you, if you actually had something stressful happen, happen to you, it can be very important to have your own relaxation techniques that you know work for for you. For me, it's often like it's that walk that I was talking about. It's deep breathing uh, as well. Progressive muscle relaxation where you tighten muscles and then relax them and do that all over your body. Um, but yeah deep breathing is always is always available splashing cold water in your face like what whatever um, whatever really works for you for you I have some personal examples and i'm uh, I'm actually thinking of uh, something that was actually kind of kind of funny so this is the I mentioned this is the third time I'm recording. This episode, right? And this is partially part of part of the work of doing a podcast like like this. You record it, you get to a situation, you listen back, and you're just like, ah, no, there's just some elements of it that I that I don't like. And because it's like a sort of a single take kind of thing, I don't I don't really edit it. And I like material myself where it's not like really edited like that. I like more like a conversational style. It makes it really hard to go in and, you know, insert something something new. I, I could, but I prefer to do a, a whole new tick. So as I was actually listening to my own recording, walking outside, I actually got very frustrated with the fact that the quality wasn't what, uh, what I wa- uh, wanted to, uh, to do. Uh, or that I... The quality that I didn't that didn't want. I'm I'm getting very self conscious now. Before I know it, create another take that I don't like. <laughs> but um, that created in me one of these situations where I realized that when I'm going to engage in like a creative endeavor, uh, is that I need to cope ahead with the situation that when I'm done with the creative endeavor that i can be frustrated i can be you know um, you're putting a lot of effort effort in it in this case like i get up really really early to do it but i have like you know work calls coming uh, coming after but i can go through that situation where i can describe i just described the situation to you recorded something listening back to it realize that I made some some mistakes, some editing mistakes, or I don't do a lot of editing, but audio video syncing uh, mistakes. Uh, won't bore you with the details. That was the situation. So the problem solving skills in this situation that I would wanna, wanna, wanna use is to slow down. Um, the mistake that I've made in these situations of wanting to push things out too quickly through the pipeline put like episodes live and one of the problem solving skills I have here is to not do that. So whenever I do my quality assurance rounds, make sure although maybe at first glance things look well, give time, resist the urge of actually putting things online. Imagine the situation in my mind is vividly, that's hard to talk about but I can think about it, I can feel that frustration of seeing those mistakes and being like ah shit like i've got to do the whole thing again and coping effectively in my head is partially i've learned something where i don't get in that emotional situation quite in the same way because i'm not just going to throw things live i'm going to give myself time to properly review it um so that's partially like a different type of coping had because I'm avoiding that emotional situation for uh, for uh, myself but for the rest if something similar happens maybe I decide that this take that you're looking you're watching or maybe not watching but <laughs> that I'm not happy with it um, that's like in the situation that I want to rehearse is that it's, it's like maybe the worst situation is actually that I didn't record well you know the video is not being captured correctly, or the audio—that's going to be really uh, frustrating as well. But as I'm doing that, I'm like, have skills for for all of these, right? Skills involving being like, okay, well, if that if that happens, I'm I'm just going to invest more time in it. And every time that I do a take, you know the material is going to be better anyway. So if that's how it has to be, I can I can live with that. Practicing relaxation after uh, rehearsing. Um, that's that's kind of hard to do on a camera. I can do a couple of deep breaths. Something like that, but then a lot more and even though like I'm doing this in the moment i i i it's it's very relevant for for me because I'm going to be in a situation <laughs> that I'm going to uh hit the stop button at one point, but it does make me feel better prepared for what's coming right for another example, and i'm I'm keeping it close. And it's actually this week. I already talked about it uh, a little bit. So it's a week where I'm de- doing the work of, uh, of two people. And I've created other goals for myself, such as well, working on my content creation, my self-expression. Um, I've exercise goals that I'm working on, meeting new people. It's, 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 it's a bunch of work in this week. Uh, plus, you know, there's just the normal week-to-week uh, stuff that's, uh, that's going on. And uh the situation that I'm I am i am describing the situation in a way to you is like I have a lot of back-to-back calls. I've some of the calls that are that are important with uh for the company that I'm that I'm working for. And I'm feeling I'm going to feel and I feel ob- obligated to do everything. Right. The moment that people ask me questions to immediately start answering that, even if I'm on calls and oftentimes like feeling guilty in situations where I can't quite get to answering people and I'll then get into a state of decision paralysis right where I'm don't really quite know what to do I'm just busy and I'm just like sort of wasting time until the next call starts and you know that's kind of like a doom loop so the skills that I want to use during during this week is opposite action so not doing what we talked about that last week not giving in to the emotions right so not doing what i immediately want to do and that is react to a situation i want to i want to pause things i want to put a pause in situation so i reflect on things first before i respond to a slack message or something like that second i do want to lean into problem solving if it is something that after I've reflected on it, I feel like I really have to uh, to do. I, I, wanna, I wanna solve it in an effective way and not like blow it out of proportion. I am prone to um, not just solving the immediate problem but just trying to tackle world hunger while I'm at it. So just trying to scope it down to what needs to be done. I also want to make sure that I'm set on my please skill. I actually went to bed very early last night so I could get up early to uh, to record this. Prioritized my my goals so that I'm taking care of the things that I want to take care of in my week. So that comes down to exercise as well. Practice a skill called Dear Man, which I will get to in a different episode, but it's interpersonal effectiveness. So making sure that if I have some kind of interpersonal situation with someone where I have to make a request or give them some feedback, that I'm using a framework to do that, that I'm doing that in an effective way and focusing on dialectics. So in form as that, um, what dialectics in this context means is that two things can be true at the same time. Uh, the classical example is um, I want to radically accept what is and I want to change. These things seem diametrically opposed, but they're... They're not really. There's a middle path there. So in this situation, I want to walk the middle path as well. So that was the problem-solving skills that I want to use. Imagine the situation in your mind as vividly as possible. The funny part is like I'm kind of like in it right right now. I'm in the middle of the week now. It's a, it's a Wednesday morning, 6.12 a.m. I have my first work call at 7 a.m. So I'm in it. I'm in it right now. So I'm going to feel overwhelmed. I, I do feel slightly overwhelmed. Luckily I'm not tired because again, went to bed very, very early. Uh, I want to hide, procrastinate, act unskillful during downtime in between meetings and want to snap at people, uh, at those around me. So that's, that's, I mean, usually when you go would go through this skill, It's more focused on getting in that emotional state, right? Again, like an actor entering, entering a scene. So I would take more time to really imagine that like, that's not that interesting to look at or listen, listen to, but you can imagine how that, how that is again, going through what are going to be the exact problematic, problematic things that are going to happen. I can imagine having had like a a hard call that was challenging for for me with an important prospect or something like that. And just wanting to waste away that half hour doing things that are not actually important. I can like sort of like feel that situation because it happens to me a lot. And then I can like reaffirm or get back into rehearsing effectively with that to really focus on the fact that I don't want to react to things. I want to put a pause in that. And I want to focus on the things that I've put on my calendar, which can involve taking, taking a break, you know, making sure that I eat at, uh, I rarely eat at exactly the time that I, that I planned, but I do focus a lot on that. My nutrition is good and that I take as much of a break. Like I don't eat at my desk, for example. So I, this rehearsal step in this case is a little, a little like dry. I just like went through it. Um, it's in a recording like that's a little bit hard to, to bring across, but think of your own personal example and how powerful that principle can, can be right. ...to really imagine yourself in that situation, the th- exact thing that you're afraid of. Like for example, maybe you want to confront a friend or your partner about some situation... ...and you know that they're going to respond poorly. Um, like maybe they're going to like storm out of the room or something like that. Imagining that situation and just having your plan... ...that can be very effective... Right, because then you can feel grounded in what you're going going to do. So, in a way, the examples that I have for you were, we're on the meek and mild side. They're just they're in the present for for me. That makes them powerful for me to talk, to talk about. But you can use this very effectively against like more crisis type of activities as well, or confrontations or. Whatever, whatever it is, um, things that are related to like serious, serious stuff in your relationship, for example, that you know is not going to go over well. Yeah, so that's the cope ahead skill. We have two more skills on my list, and. In a way, the C skill, so the coping ahead and the please skill, they're a little bit more in the ballpark of the skills that we talked about last time. Right? They are still pretty decently like in the moment. They're they're preparing for um, reducing your emotional vulnerability, but they're they're kind of still like all short term kind of things. Like the examples that I talked about is Things that are going to happen in my week. I would say that the, um, the A and the B skill are more long term, and that's also why I sort of took them out of uh, out of order. So I'm I'm going to tell you what the A and the B stand for. The A stands for accumulate positive emotions, and the B stands for build mastery. And they kind of bleed together. And why is that? So accumulating positive emotions is focused on, in order to um, reduce your vulnerability, you want to make sure that you ground yourself in positivity. Not toxic positivity, but positivity nonetheless. There's short-term focus there, and there's a long-term focus as well. The long-term focus on, if you're long-term focusing on making sure that you have positive emotions in your life, bleeds into building mastery as well. Because... Um, they are they are related and I'm going to take you through that. So short term, wh- why is this a principle? Why is this present in DBT? Partially because it's a, a therapy mod- modality, right? So people that are trying to regulate your, their life through DBT are sometimes in really, really tough situations, right? Abusive relationships, um, addiction, uh, things like that. Sometimes when you're in a slew of negativity or in a very tough situations, people just don't do anything positive in the short term, right? If you have a family member that is very sick and you just have to go to the hospital every every day, it feels very selfish to plan something for yourself, To take care of something that's not even needed not even like something like sleep or something but do something pleasant right in some situations that can be warranted like life is like that sometimes but what i notice and especially in like my uh my male friends is that they don't often take care of putting positive things to do on their calendar and like i mean me as well because often I think about positive things in a way of like, okay, but how important is it really for me? Wouldn't I like to be a little bit more productive instead? Right. So, DBT skill talks about building positive experiences now. So, that's the short term and being mindful of positive experiences. That's also very important. Maybe you have fun things planned in your day. Maybe. You're getting a massage or you're going to the movies or something something like that. But then instead of doing that activity, you spend that time worrying. Well, that doesn't help. So focusing, being mindful of what you're doing is very important. And then as well, sort of the polar opposite of that, being unmindful of worries. There's a time and a place to worry. Worry comes with its benefits but as you're building positive experiences in your day in your in your week it can be very advantageous to the moment when you're planning positive experiences to really commit to that being a positive experience and not having worries take over there's going to be a time to worry there's there will be there will be a time for that now This advice might apply to you, might not apply to you. I know people as well that avoid worrying by just doing positive experiences and just being in the moment and ignoring their responsibilities. Um, Tends to not be the case. I see that less than the other way around. But do reflect on that if you're one of those people. Uh, Maybe for you the solution is not to plan more fun stuff so personal for me short term means like sort of um partially planned things that i put on my calendar but also knowing what i like uh sort of as an emergency like something to regulate in the in the moment or to find positivity in the moment right because our brains weigh negative stuff more than positive stuff for evolutionary reasons i i and I understand that that there is a benefit to weighing, you know, <laughs> something that's negative more heavily because you want to prepare against that. It requires effort, where positive stuff like you know, it doesn't really require effort. It's just pleasant, right? I actually have an Evernote that's called "stuff that Vincent likes" because um, sometimes in case of an emergency i just don't know what's the pleasant thing that i want to do that's not how my brain is tuned so it can be really hard to have coped ahead and having a list beforehand that chose these kind of things so for example mindfully making and drinking a hot beverage for me funnily enough doing financial stuff I, i like numbers so sometimes when um this is more regulating than actual positive things still but I have a programming background so these things are positive for me so it's a positive experience I don't do these things as a job every so it's not an every time thing but it can actually be a pleasant a pleasant activity f- for me I do get a little bit like tunnel vision and you call it get really in the zone but at the same time that can be something that very pleasant to uh, to do so I uh I use that strategically Things like going to see a movie. Um, these days I don't do that a lot. But whenever I do, I'm happy that I do. Partially. Because like it's usually not really about the movie that I'm going to see. It's just about taking a break. Workouts for me fit, uh, fit in there as well. That was related to the please skill. Um, but it is positive. There are positive experiences when I do that. And... Um, I I run a lot and I do F45 functional training where it it really matches my personality style you're doing all these like jumping up things and uh, <laughs> swinging around weights and stuff like that and I I do like that that you know explosiveness are, uh, of it and you switch around stations a lot as well so it's very um you switch it up a lot which is different from running running you're just you know doing the same <laughs> the same thing a bunch so they, they do something else for me but they are positive moments in my uh, in my in my day for sure interacting with animals is high on my list as well whenever I get in the situation that someone's bringing a dog to work or I come like I'm, I'm, I'm able to spend some time with my own dog it's 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 just a positive experience as it levels me out as well. Uh, i've self care on that list as well um that has to do with the police skill um it it can be very pleasant to do self care even if it's things as like getting getting a haircut and like a nice haircut um reading is a positive experience for for me surprising someone with a favor as well right it's uh if you become dependent on them really appreciating what you've done like that then it doesn't work anymore. But just doing it for your own pleasure of doing someone a favor can can be positive for, uh, for for me as well. Key with these things is to not make it compulsive to get to into a state of like I need this or I deserve this or like you know things things like things like that. Um, positive emotion. It's it's about the emotional state. Right, So it's not about getting just a dopamine hit. So for example, you can otherwise revert to like vegging out and doing non-restful activities. And then you can just, that's not, that feels pleasurable in the moment, I guess, but it leaves you agitated. Like scrolling on social media is a good example, Uh, playing games on your phone, oftentimes reading the news um things like uh, like that uh watching pornography in a in a in a way like that in the moment it seems like positive and a good idea but generally afterwards um there there's downsides to uh to engaging uh with that so i these days avoid all of all of that, like you never escape completely from reading reading the news, right? But um, almost completely. And I do have stints of that. I play a game on my phone, but I tend to delete them pretty quickly because they're not really positive experiences. They're dopamine hits. It's like it it does create like um, this little blip of pleasure, but in the long term is like more dragging you down and the other way around and your mileage may vary right then there's the long term part and this is where building a life worth living comes into uh comes into play right so the main reason i read this very fascinating book by gabor Mate, Uh, in the realm of hungry ghosts about like hardcore addicts that he worked with the main reason that addicts stay addicts is because they don't build a life worth living so they are in a situation that their past past sucks is traumatic their present is barely bearable and their future is bleak so in that situation yeah it kind of makes sense that you stay in an addiction because you've got like nothing really going on for you that much if you're building a worth a life worth living i also think about it of egoic versus ego loss right there's i'm not a hater on ego i think that that's a very essential part in life that's like sort of the existence that we find it, uh, ourselves in we have to be selfish to survive survival is optional that is that is true um clinging to survival is something that you can stop doing but I do feel that we have have a purpose of taking care of ourselves and ensuring our survival as long as we can. We're kind of programmed for that. But there is egoless stuff, altruistic stuff, that you can hang into or lean into as well. So instead of asking, what do I want from life? A more powerful question would be, what does life want from me? Which is a quote by Eckhart Tolle. Right, so... Not just focusing on what do I want, what do I deserve, but more like, where can I, you know, through which way can the universe, um, work through me. Right. What skill set do I currently have? What set of ambitions and passions do I have that create some kind of value, the value that I want to create? I know that note that all of these are, they're not their preferences of of you so that means that you can't or you 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 can if you if you want to but i don't recommend you get very um self-righteous about those things i'm doing these things and other people now no. other people do what what other things what other people do <laughs> and i mean this is a little bit of a tangent but I feel like I mention it often and I'll mention it again. If you're doing, if you're working on yourself, you're going to see a lot of people that are not working on themselves. If you're spending time practicing these things, learning about emotion regulation, interpersonal effectiveness, and your family might just still be doing the same thing. And that doesn't feel fair, and maybe it isn't fair, but... It ultimately still creates a better life for you even if you have to be the one that builds up all the skills so the fact that other people aren't doing it again doesn't give you a carte blanche to then act out and do whatever right hold yourself to your own standard don't compare with with other people how well or how bad they're they're doing it it doesn't matter It's about your preferences the things that you want to grow in not what other people are are doing the later you get to life the more important that seems to me to get because you want to be chipping you want to work on things that build you into a direction that you want to go to and and this is where we get into the long term the building of life worth living Because really what we're going to talk about is just we're going to back we're going back to the episode values about values. Right. Really, when we're talking about long-term building positive emotions, it's not about getting more pleasure, getting bigger cars, getting more sex, getting more money, getting because these are all fleeting things. It's fine to have these things and we need these things and etc. But it's they're more related to dopamine hits. They're more like blips that short term in the moment motivate you to do something. But they're not the type of things that come from work that is important to you. If you're talking about like getting money, that's work that's important to someone else. Because that's where you're getting paid for it. Now, That's not literally true in every sense and in every situation, but it it oftentimes is like money is your reward for doing something that someone else doesn't, doesn't want to do. And I'm not trying to be bleak in a, in a way, just trying to focus on like where these stimuli come from and the things that are most important in life, I think do not have those, dopamine stimuli attached to it. There are not instant gratification things. This is where the long-term stuff comes uh, comes in. So there you wanna avoid avoiding. So not do the things that you know that you wanna be doing. Identify the values that are important to you. Uh, go back to my episode about why values are so important and how do you do that and work on them, right? So these are the things where you're chipping away at something that's important to you to you, not your mother, not your partner, not your brother, not your friends, not your pastor, your rabbi, your guru, your imam—like you. Just if you look most deep inside yourself, what what are these things? And if you don't have these things, that's completely fine. Um, I feel you. I've I've 100% been there. Um, but then that's that's your work at that moment, because these preferences, they don't magically appear. Like some people really refer to it as like their innermost things that were always there and blah, 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 something something like that. And that can be their experience. And that's wonderful if you have something like that. But for a lot of people, like for myself as well, it's actually been work to cultivate. Like you have to try little bit things left and right, to see what like gels for you. What are the things that you can you can stick with, right? So it's really focused on. Um, it's really important to keep to keep working on that, um, making small action steps towards your goal, towards the person that you want to be, and first, before I tell a personal story about that, like why is this important? What, what what does that have to do with emotion regulation? What I very clearly notice, and this is, I believe, the reason that the skill is 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 here where it is in DBT as well, is the moment that you feel like a fulfillment, you feel on being on on your path, that creates so much more calm in yourself that you can handle a lot more shit that's being like thrown in in your direction. If you if you know what I know what I mean. So it just creates more resilience because you know that you're doing you right. You're taking care the self care part and you are growing in the way that you want to be growing. You're doing the things that you want to be doing. Even if there's no monetary rewards, if there's no like all these, these things, all these common things that people normally normally tell you. Um, I have to caveat that immediately. So I'm, I'm like in my my early 40s and leaning into things that don't get me like that much of societal um uh, support or maybe I'm not saying that right but not doing exactly what society drives me to do is appropriate for my um where I am in life. Like I have a, a career that I've built up over the years and and that uh, allows me to, to live a comfortable life. Like in a way I've built up a lot of skills and although I'm not doing that right now, I could be coasting right now. I'm working for an early, earlier stage startup kind of company. So that's actually a lot of work, but I'm getting to, have a skill set that allows me to take back more of my time. Like I can provide value for others really quickly with my experience, which gets me monetary rewards, which allows me to focus on the, like take back my time and focus on things that I want to want to focus on, on, which I don't always do, but because I'm partially still sucked into doing the things that other people want me, uh, want me to do. But the reason that I'm telling that is depending on the phase of life, you do have to focus on getting your base needs met. And that can be very complicated, right? If you are an artist and... Uh, you're in your twenties, and your your soul as an artist. Like, what do you do? Do you first focus on your art, but then you know you have you have no pot to piss on. You're just poor and broke. Or do you do something where you do what society wants you to do? You become like a stockbroker or something like that. You make a bunch of money, and then you do what you want. The answer is it depends, right? I have. Um, one of uh, one of the guys that I did a um, backcountry skiing tour with, he was the type that first worked at Wall Street. He was in, in, in New York. He made a lot, a lot of money working at Wall Street. And then he said, well, fuck it. Now I'm going to start my own outdoor company. And he does like rafting, rock climbing, like things like that. Enough to, I imagine, like make a decent amount of money, but it's not comparable to the amount of cash that he Stacked up when he was working working on Wall Street. So the answer is just, it depends. Um, how, how I, like what I've gotten taught, and that's just one perspective, is that it is very important to have a skill set that you can fall back on in case, uh, <coughs> in case of needing it. Like something that you can do for a society that's valuable. Even if at times you don't really do it that much. And you see that a lot in in people that, for example, are like medical doctors or psychologists or something like that, that are more diversifying into like public speaking and writing. Um, They don't really wanna keep doing their job because it's draining, but it's it's always still there in case they need to fall back on it. So from that perspective, I am uh, in the camp of, yeah, in your early life, focus on these things. But then again, you know, it all, it all depends, right? But the main reason that I'm going on on this tangent is that I want to underline that there's two sides of the coin that you have to choose carefully. All right, my personal story. Um, obviously, I refer back to the values uh, episode, the value of values and doing this podcast, for example, an example, for example, an example, that's great, of doing things that are in line of my values, right? So it's for me, it's self-expression. I get to talk about the things that I think are important, that I think people should know, which is vulnerable, by the way, um, to do because people could criticize me for, for that. And contribution as well because what I hope is that I get to speak to myself ten years ago, provide that information that I didn't have ten years ago. Um, there's not a ton of reward that you get, that I get in this example for for doing this. Maybe over over time I would, but it's not that that is a direction where I'm going to bake a bunch of money. That's it's actually pretty hard to monetize being a being a content creator i have to do things with ads and subscriptions and i like to listen to kevin smith a lot the movie director from like dogma and clerks and stuff like that he does a ton of content creating even multiple podcasts but you see that even for him like he has to put in like a lot of ads and have a lot of sponsors and stuff like that that hugely distracts from and even if you listen to like um jordan peterson or something like that for, for his podcast it's uh it's the same it's the same thing right so all that to say is that some of these things you only do that if it comes from like inside from one of your values um cool um so that's that's an example for like a long-term worth life worth living that I'm working towards a ton of examples are from a like uh a personal development perspective as well so doing DBT doing my various types of work where I am addressing childhood wounds and stuff like that where I'm trying to take responsibility for it myself to focus on where are the things that I that I haven't matured fully. How can I mature those versus being in victim mode of oh, my parents should have done this or that better and being resentful, which is hard sometimes. And that's um, the long-term accumulating positive experiences. The last one that we have remaining is to build mastery. And really for me, these bleed together so much, the long-term accumulate positive emotions and build mastery, Uh, because what's building mastery? It's really for your self-esteem, to to plan something, to build a sense of accomplishment in your your life. So as far as I'm concerned, that's those long-term positive experiences, so. um, And maybe I made that distinction, maybe DBT would do it in a different way and actually shove everything that's learned long-term into mastery, who knows? Um, so examples for me of doing something that build b- builds accomplishments, as I mentioned it already, like working on personal personal growth, seeing that I am able to handle emotional situations in a different way, being more empathic, like seeing other people's uh, perspective, and exercise goals. Exercise are, goals are great for like just moving the goalpost uh, continuously and doing something that you haven't been. Uh, that you haven't done before, especially if you've just you switch up slightly what you're what you're doing. So I think that there's always like a good sense of accomplishment in that. So Build Master is focused on planning in your day to do something every day to build that sense of accomplishment. To find whatever value you feel is important and put effort into that. Planning for success, not failure. I see that often um, in people that have a lofty goal, but then know that they're not going to actually do the things (laughs) in a way. So they want the outcome, but they're not really on board with doing doing a process or planning for that process. So planning for success means doing the things that will get you there versus setting you up in such a way that you keep failing over and over go uh, um, over and over again so that means starting starting small and uh, an example that i have uh, i've multiple times in life tried playing the guitar and in this case this is not something if i just look at my values that isn't strong enough in in me, it doesn't vibe enough with my personality, maybe sometimes in the future. But what I've noticed when I did that is I would create goals that were more related to doing things that were outside of my capacities. I just wanted to be like a really good technical guitarist instead of having a simpler goal of playing songs with like one scale or two scales and it's hard enough because you have to switch and you have to keep measure and stuff like that um, but I didn't plan for doing something like I didn't plan for something that I could actually be successful in in like a span of a couple of weeks so then like sort of you at one point just lose interest because you're trying to build up to something but you're playing something that's so difficult that you play it at one eighth the speed, and and you're not consistent, etc. It doesn't it doesn't really work. So you have to make the difficulty like you have to dial it way down to to get somewhere. Doing the thing is more important because you never know what it's going to turn out uh, into. Third step here is to gradually increase the difficulty over time. Right? If it is too difficult, do it something that's a little easier. Plan that and. And, um, for me, <laughs> example is this is the third take of the recording. And one of the things that I made easier on myself is more notes so that I don't have to think about these things in, uh, in the moment and take out things that I didn't think that worked, uh, worked really well. Step four is looking for a challenge. So if something is too easy, try something harder next time. So that's the polar opposite of the previous, previous point. So, um, I think build, building mastery really speaks to itself. And it's another one of these interesting ones that's, that's in the DBT skills here where it's partially focused on, um, again, remember that a therapy modality is focused on people in all kinds of like phases of, of life and proficiency. So it can be, uh, for me, it it seems pretty obvious, right? Like for me, that is not that surprising to me that you have to build mastery in order to be resilient uh, for the rest of life. Because I just kind of know if I don't do that, I I get crabby. I kind of, it's the same thing with, with exercise at this point in life. I just know that it's part of the upkeep. And if I don't work on a mastery or like sort of doing what the universe wants me to, or whatever, or you can frame it in a, if that (laughs) makes you heave in the direction of like, focusing on what your preference is that you do not really have a lot of incentive uh, from the rest of the world for. Um, that is very essential for just f- feeling feeling good, for self-esteem. It reminds me of that book that that guy wrote about the 10,000-hour rules, that like you have to do something for 10,000 hours and then you become proficient at it. Um, The main thing that I relate to there is like the aspect of deliberate practice that he talks about so that anyone who becomes really, really good at something is great at setting a goalpost that motivates and then moving it and moving it and moving it and moving it, it, but not setting out to do something that's impossible, right? Um, I find that building mastery is also really helpful for like it, it's almost like a spiritual thing for for me. It's like what I what I said is it helps me to not veg out or dopamine seek. It helps me to be like, okay, but I don't care about what other people are doing. This is what I want to do with my with my life. Uh, if other people are vegging out and watching porn and seeking dopamine and eating junk food and whatever, that's fine. That you know, I I I don't have to stop doing things because. I do those things better than other people. That that just leads to a mad comparison game that doesn't create that much more happiness. Which is something that in my twenties I was very very prone, and thirties even very prone to. Um, this prevents you from focusing on other people's problems. That's a major one for me as well. It's like if I have like sort of like creative time on my hands or like this kind of you know uh, what I. What that, where that energy can go towards, is deficiencies that, deficiencies that I think other people have, right? Um, no, that's usually not what you want to be uh, want to be doing. Although this content, what I'm creating, I'm hoping to help other other people, like so in in a way, that is a focus for me. But at the same time, self expression is a large part of why I'm doing that, uh, doing this as well. In addition to the moment that I talk about that, I become better at the skills as well. Like one major reason that I'm doing this as a next step, actually, is to more embody these things, to analyze them from different perspectives, to look at how do I how can I explain it to other people, and through that, I of course become better at it my myself. So that's where mastery comes in for for me. There's more that I could say about exercise as well, but. I see where the timer is. I think uh, I think it's uh, it's it's been good for today. Yeah, moved on to my uh, to my next thing here. So um, I generally like to talk a little bit about backlash from your environment as well. So all of these skills, if you start implementing them in your life, what are things that can happen? that in your environment that can get you some backlash so if it comes to accumulating positive experiences what i often see is backlash is people being threatened by that you're taking care you're taking time to take care of yourself so this is true for the please skill this is true for accumulating positive emotions because you generally you have to like set some boundaries suddenly boundaries about when you're going to sleep boundaries what you're going to eat, boundaries about how often um, you get takeout, things things like that. So <coughs> people generally around you generally don't like you changing. They want you to stay the same. So be aware that if you're trying to create some goals for yourself to create some boundaries around them as well so that your partner or um, a roommate or Parents or whatever that you can make it about you, and that you want to do that for you in your way, and that you don't have to like you know get them get them on board because that's that's a whole different um, ball of wax to convince people of doing something like that. So make sure that you create some distance there uh, that you can do it for yourself. If it comes to long term building positive emotions and building mastery same can apply if, if what you're really trying to do is embed yourself in a positive worldview and to work on things that are like lofty often like creating mastery sometimes they're just about things that you can make money with i get that but oftentimes they're more about like a passions that you uh, that you have that can get you a lot of backlash as well because your environment might uh point out that you really have to get that Get that raised or get that more money or we want to move to a better place or your kids need this that or the the other thing and, and that's that's true um, that there are other priorities in uh, in life but often this can be a defense mechanism of someone in your environment and it's kind of like your job to preempt that so it's your job to use a soft touch to Communicate that to the people around you. Um, I have the um, uh, propensity to sometimes start too, you know, forcefully and my environment that notices that and that doesn't really work that well it doesn't work well for me and it doesn't work well for the environment if I do something too hardcore right out of the gate. So that's why I'm recommending like a light touch. Like the important part here is consistency. It's not like, it's like marathon training, right? Like you don't get to a state of marathon training by running a fuckton in one week and then not doing anything else. now it's about c- consistency and then it's, it's, it's more important to do something every every week rather than just everything in one concentrated effort so you know um, so the way that actually these skills are oriented, they are already oriented in a way that you do things with a light touch and the light touch is great to prevent backlash um, because your environment can get used to it. Coping ahead is not a skill that I foresee you getting a lot of backlash from your environment from. It's pretty straightforward. It's also pretty contemplative and something that you do by yourself. If someone is close around you and you're, you're doing this out loud or you're talking about that, it might raise some, some eyebrows, but it's not particularly threatening to anyone unless you're coping with a situation that involves them directly, but in which case, don't do it around them okay so I've talked about the backlash from uh, from your from your environment of course throughout this podcast we've been talking about decision making things that allow you to make the decisions that make you happy happy in life the link here I think is pretty uh, is pretty clear um, uh, as I talked about in motion regulation part one being able to be well, well regulated has a lot to do with your happiness in in life if if you're unable to regulate in the way that you you want to you get like sort of stuck in a pattern that you don't want to get stuck in and this emotion regulation helps you very much to you know rise above get like peace and calm and quiet to take high quality uh decisions so that all is part of um part of the same theme of things that we've been uh, talking about. Well, I thank you very much for tuning in. If you've made it all the way to the end of this uh, this episode, um, so if there's any questions, I would uh, like always be happy to answer that, and you can reach me in the in the usual ways. But for now, I uh, I thank you again. This was Vincent for the Meaningful Shit Show. And thanks for joining me and uh, talking about some more meaningful shit today. Bye.